Jesus, we pray that you will be the center of our Christmas celebrations. Lord, just like the baby was in the manger and often, Lord, in a picture, that that's the center of the picture, we pray that we will keep you in the center of all of our focus over this season. We ask you in Jesus' name right now to be the center of our thoughts and our hearts. Amen. Amen. It's so good to see you today, and God bless you. And, and if you weren't ready for Christmas yet, then we hope that today's service will br- bring you closer into that. If you have a Bible with you, would you please turn me to, with me to Matthew chapter 1, and we're going to read from verses 18 to 25. But I've translated the scriptures from some of the original languages and some theological dictionaries. So I've made a little bit of an extended version. So that'll be on the screen, but you can also follow along in your Bible. Uh, From Matthew chapter 1, verse 18. This is how the birth of Jesus, the promised leader, Messiah, came about. His mother Mary was in a legally binding and sacred bond to be married to Joseph. But before the final and official ceremonies and any sexual coming together, before they really started their life together, she was found to be pregnant. Through the dynamic injection of life by the Holy Spirit, the conception. Because Joseph was, for all intents and purposes, her husband, And he lived by what the Jewish law required. But he did not want to expose her to the public trial and shaming that this law recommended. He had in mind to quietly divorce her. Worn out by the situation, when he finally did get some sleep, after considering this plan, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Do not be afraid to take Mary home as planned, as your wife. Go through with all the ceremony and invite her into your family home as you would normally, because what is conceived in her has been done by none other than God himself, the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son, and you will give him the name Jesus. And you know that this name is from Joshua, meaning the one who saves, because he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet Isaiah. And he said this at a time of national crisis when they didn't know what God would do to save them. Isaiah said, the virgin... Not just a young girl, but someone who has never made love to anyone will conceive and give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, God with us. When Joseph woke up, he did what the angel of the Lord had commanded him and took Mary home as his wife. But he did not have sexual relations in their marriage until she gave birth to the son. And against the tradition of naming the firstborn son after the human father, they instead gave him the name 
Jesus. Can I just take a little bit of a straw poll? And, you know, just, you, you can wave your hand at me if you want to, but have you ever said any of these phrases? If you want a job doing, best do it yourself. Have you ever said that? Has anybody said that? Okay, one or two of you. I've said that a lot. Meaning, I wish it was done the way I want it to be done. That's what it really means. Or have you ever said, you can't really know someone until you've walked in their shoes? There's an old phrase, isn't there? Isn't there like, you can't know a, a man until you've walked in his moccasins. I don't know whether you wear moccasins. So. But it means, well, everybody's got a backstory and there's some perspective to go there. I don't know whether you've ever said this, put your money where your mouth is. Have you said that? Kathy's just said, yeah. <laughs> I wonder who she said that to. I hope it wasn't me. Meaning, you know, that means you've really got to commit to something and not just in, in theory. I've said this. If you're going to expect someone to do something, you have to be prepared to do it yourself. Have you said that ever? Meaning, just what it says. <laughs> there are times if you want somebody to do something, you've got to be prepared to go ahead and do it yourself as well. All of these sayings are a kind of way of, of taking ownership, aren't they? Of something that is important to you, you want to say, well, I want to take ownership of it. I'm not just saying it. I actually want it to happen. And really, that's what Christmas is from God's angle. It's God saying, let me handle it. I'm doing it. I'm not delegating this. I'm handling it. You see, we can often portray religion and and, and God and, and things of the Spirit as kind of off to the side. But Christmas says, no, I'm coming right in and I'm saying, let me handle it. And I, as I was writing this talk, I just felt the Holy Spirit stop me. And, and I'm feeling today, I'm really wanting to speak to some people personally. Is it time that you in this Christmas season let God handle it? Your life, I mean. Your thoughts, I mean. The things on your heart, I mean. Is it time for you to say, handle it, Lord? I've been handling it too long, and it's time for you to say, you know what, my career, my dreams, God, can you handle it? You see, when we say Jesus came at Christmas time, we're saying God himself came. God we're saying that he came personally. You see, what started in Mary was a life process that was by the Holy Spirit. No contamination from Mary's genes, from Mary's hereditary, or anything like that from her gene pool. The Holy Spirit came, dynamically started life without any help, shoom, shunted it in there, however you want to think of it, but put a shield around that egg so that that egg was perfect, that that was completely something of God. It was God coming. And sometimes we, 
we see Christmas and we don't realize the magnitude and the, and the size of what God is doing. You see, this God coming into the world, though, he came so he could fully identify with you. In the passage we've just read, it, it mentions that, that Mary ha- had something conceived in her. And then it talks about Mary being pregnant. And then it talks about Jesus being born. Conception, pregnancy, and birth. I can't remember those things in my life, can you? Can you remember when you were born? Do you remember the experience? If there's anybody now who can do that, you're weird, okay? Do you remember your mum being pregnant with you? Do you remember that? Ooh, this is great, so warm in here. And I don't want to even talk about the moment of conception. I just don't really wish I was there, to be honest. Don't think about that. Let's just move on. But what strikes me is that even down to the smallest details that we can't even remember anymore, conception, pregnancy, and birth, that God's saying, I'm going to be even a part of that, even though you don't remember them, so that I can identify with you and I'll do everything I can do to show you that I am with you. That I am God, but I am really with you in everything, even the bits you can't remember. I so want to be with you, I'm going to go through that. You see, he didn't come like an angel or a special spirit being. or He came as a human, but very much God. And I know that's kind of hard to grasp, but he so wants to say, I've come with. Have you ever said, just bear with me for a while? And God's saying, I'll bear with you. I want to be with you. I, I just so much want to be part of what you are. Uh, this time of the year, we get lots of Christmas adverts, don't we, on TV, you know, and they're kind of, some of them are good and some of them are weird. Uh, you know, I feel really sorry for Kevin this year because Morrisons have come out with Kevin the Carrot, haven't they? And, and that's not really fair. You know, and just, you know, and John, John Lewis have got animations and all sorts of a fox and a mouse jumping through the snow. And I'm thinking, what's this got to do with Christmas? You know, and they all have some kind of meaning within there. Well, this year, one of the advertisements from John Lewis is, is Elton John. Uh, and what it, what it does, and guys, put that on the screen if you will. Uh, I'll just remind you of it. What it does is it shows Elton's life as he's, he's kind of been given a piano. And what happens is it, it kind of winds back down through his teenage years, down into his childhood, all the way into his early recordings, and, and back and back until he's just kind of playing at his family events just as a, as a young boy and he's kind of growing in his talent and so on. It winds it right back to his school days and there's his mum going, go on little Elton, go on, you can do it little Elton, you know, and she's winding it back and this is like Christmas morning, by the way I've got a pair of pyjamas just like that and uh, the first time he has this old wooden piano and he rips off the paper and it's just the start. And, and he presses his first note. 
And he's, you know, he's got this mega career coming up. And they wind it right back. Right back to that day. And then it says, Some gifts are more than just a gift. Meaning, that, that little inspiration that you may give somebody, that, that encouragement, that chance, that opportunity may turn out to much more than you think. Now, this is certainly true of what you might know about Jesus. He's more than a prophet. He's more than a teacher. He's God. And the end of Jesus' life isn't that he's, he's just going to entertain people or be an influencer. He's an absolute game changer. So I want to say to you today that some gifts are more than just a gift. You can, you can wind Elton's story back and say, wow, that's where it all started. But I want to wind you back to a baby in Bethlehem. And as we've sang today, this gift is going to be much more than you think it is. Actually, unlike the Elton advert, though, and unlike that story where Elton winds back in his mind to the beginning, Jesus, when he was teaching, he, could, he also wound things forward to the end. He tells a particular parable about, about when a man owns a vineyard and, and he wants to have some harvest from him. He sends one servant and the people who uh, rent the vineyard from him kill that servant so they can keep the harvest. And so he sends another person to reap the harvest of a more senior servant. And, and they kill him to say, no, you can't be in our vineyard. So the man thinks to himself, I'm going to send my only son, my one and only son. And it's Jesus telling this story. And in the parable, Jesus says, and they kill the son because they think, well, now it will all be ours. And the people listening knew that Jesus was talking about the religious leaders, but also Jesus knew that he was talking about himself. You see, Jesus not only winds the story back, but he winds it forward and says, I'm not delegating this to anybody else. God himself says, I'm prepared for that to happen. That's how much I want to be with you. You mustn't miss this little detail. It's in your Bible there where it says he will save his people from their sins. That little detail isn't he's going to make it so that it happens. It's actually he personally will do it. He's not delegating it out to anyone else. It will personally cost him because he personally does it. And I know as Christians we know this, but I want to remind you of the hugeness. Is hugeness a word? Uh, the largeness, the bigness of this idea that God personally says, I'm doing it. I'm not delegating it. I'm doing it completely for you. Amen, church? So today I've got three conclusions about this. The first one is this. It must have been really important to him 
to do this himself and to take it on himself, which means that you must be really important to him. Now listen, don't just kind of really focus now. Focus on the spirit right now. You are really important to him. You and your life shape, your dreams, your future, your purpose, your destiny. You see, we often run to the end of the story and say, yeah, God with us. He came so that we could go to heaven. And all this, that is true. So that we could, uh, you know, be with God. That's all true. But actually, he came to be with you now. For your life right now. He came to bring your life into shape, your destiny and your purpose into shape. He came so that you could be who you were supposed to be when God had you in mind before the beginning of time. He sent his son so he could shape your identity to the right identity you're supposed to have. I've picked up there are five identity lies. The lies of identity that we tell each other. Number one is, I am what I have. That's not you. I am what I have. That is not you. You're not defined by what you have. Second identity lie is, I am what I do. Have you been to a party and you say, Hi, what do you do? Well, I do lots of things other than being a minister. Don't you? I am what I do. That's not you fully. It's important. It's part of you, but it's not fully you. Third lie is, I am what other people say I am or what they think about me. How many of you are living in that one? God with us came to say, it's what I think of you that's the important thing, not what everybody else thinks of you. Now, it is important in sometimes to get a reflection from other people, but it's a lie of identity to say, I am only what people say of me or think of me. Fourth lie is, I am nothing more than my worst moment. Like me, I've done some terrible things in my life, and we won't go into all of those now. But there are times when you hear a voice inside your head and a voice inside your spirit that says, you're nothing better than that. You, you do all this stuff, but that's who you really are. And I wonder whether that's happened to you. You think, well, I, you know, I'm doing all this other stuff that makes me look good, but really I did that, and that's who I really am. And I've come along today to say to you, that's not you. That God has a life shape for you, an identity for you that's going to be completely different than that. And he can wipe that, mold that, get to the root of that, change that, heal that, and set you free from that, whatever that is. Amen? That's not you. And then the fifth lie of identity that I see is that I am nothing less than my best moment. And what I mean by that is that some people, you've done some great things in the past. And you've, you've hit the highlights. But you feel you've got to live up to that thing that you were really proud of. In fact, as Christians, we're really prone to this. Oh, how church used to be. 
It was great then. But I want to say to you, that's not you. None of us can consistently perform at our highest level 365 days a year. None of us can do that. We live by faith and the grace of God. That's not you. And so don't beat yourself up. Don't put yourself under pressure. Don't strive and, and try and hurt yourself to, to live up to something that you once did really well. That's not you. God thought you were important enough so that he can bring you an identity and a shape that is shaped by him. In fact, can I read to you what God says your identity is? The Apostle Peter said it in his letter, chapter 2, verses 9 and 10. But you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession, that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. That you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. I wonder if I said that to any more, that there'd be any praise in this house. That you would declare the praises of him who brought you out of darkness into his marvelous light. For once you were not a people, but now you are a people of God. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. That's your identity. And that's found in Christ. Which lie have you been living in? When God came, He said, you are so important to me. You are not just what you have. You are not just what you do. You are not just what people say of you. You are much more than your worst moment. And you can't live up to your best moment, so trust His grace for your life. Because you are chosen in God. So today, I just wonder... If you can begin to say to yourself, you know what? I need to start living in the identity of Christ. Those of you who've got a Bible with you, keen observers will note something. When Joseph is, is met with the angel, now I know that would be scary within itself. You know, like if an angel appeared and went, Ooh, Joseph, don't put Mary away. I think that would be scary. But actually, keen observers amongst you, look at what it says in verse 20. It says, Joseph, son of David. You can read it in Matthew chapter 1, verse 20 there. Joseph, son of David. Now, if you've got your Bible in front of you, there's a list of Joseph's line. And in verse 16, it says, Joseph, his father was named Jacob. Joseph, son of Jacob. See, what the angel is doing, he's saying to Joseph, I want to remind you of your royal heritage, that you are part of the King David's line, and that I've got a plan for you as, as part of that family, and I want to remind you of your heritage. So I'm missing out your father and your grandfather and your great-grandfather, I'm reminding you of your royal line. And I think I've come by today to remind some people of your royal heritage in God. 
hey, just imagine something with me. I just feel like I want to draw you in a bit. I want you to imagine that you are in that you are that you are in my living room with me and we're sitting round our fireplace. Can you imagine it? And you're sitting with just with me and the Holy Spirit and we're looking at the fire and God wants to draw you into his warmth and say be healed of all those false identities you've been living in. My first conclusion today is this. If he did it himself, then he thought you were important. And he wants to draw you in to what he always thought you could be and what your purpose might be. In Jesus. My second conclusion is this. If God did this himself, and he took it on personally, it means that only he could do it. In fact, nobody else could do this. So, it means that when Jesus said, I came to seek and to save that which was lost, it's him personally saying, I want to find you out, and I really am the only one who can do it. In fact, in the book of Acts, the church preached this message. Salvation is found in no one else, and there is no other name under heaven given amongst mankind whereby we must be saved. This is God's last chance only plan. If he did this himself, that means only he could do it. My third conclusion is this. If he did this himself, and he did it personally, which he did, it must have been effective because God did it. Because what God does is he changes lives. He changes history. He changes stories. He changes hearts. He forgives sin. In fact, the Bible says he's made everything beautiful in his time. If God does something, he does it properly. He does it completely. He does it completely for your benefit and for his glory. When God does it, he does it. And so today, if you're thinking, you know what, I've gone a bit cold, I've gone a bit hard in my faith, why don't you just soften up right now? Why don't you begin to say to the Holy Spirit, I want to say a little yes to you, Holy Spirit. I want to begin to say, will you do that work? In fact, Philippians chapter 1 verse 6 says, He who begun a good work in you, he will complete that work even until the day of the Lord Jesus coming. In other words, what that means is, he isn't going to stop working on you until he calls time on time and God comes. God did it himself, therefore it works. You know, Christianity is not just true because it works and things happen. Things happen and work because it's true. Get it the right way around. It's God who's first effective. Today, I want to encourage you. I want you to understand that God's got a purpose and a plan for you, and that's just, I can hardly stop smiling right now. Because God has got a plan for each and every one of you. 
He's got a fantastic destiny and purpose for you. And I just want to, can you come back and buy my fireplace again, please? I just want to encourage you, don't live in automatic mode, in survival mode, in, oh, let me just get through this weak mode. I understand if you feel like that. I understand that life gets us all raggedy and a bit, and a bit tired and, and heavy burdened, but don't get into, well, I've got this to do and this to do and this to do. Let's pause. Let's use this Christmas season just to reflect God's got a plan for you. He's got a destiny and a purpose for you. And maybe over this Christmas season, it's time to pause and reflect and ask God, can I walk in your purposes even more? Can I bring my life to that place where I say, okay, God, I've lived with you kind of up to now, but I'm making a new beginning of, I want to go into all your plans. I wonder if Mary could have the last word of this message, and I want to show you a little film of some of the thoughts that Mary might have had, and you think this young girl said, oh, God, what is this plan for me now? I, I want to say to you that the plan of God for your life is as valuable and as stunning as every character in the Bible. And I know that they are written down for our teaching and example. But if God came personally, God with us, then he's got a plan for you. And, and, you know, when you knock on a bit as a Christian and you get a bit older as a Christian, you kind of put that on the back burner because you're just kind of living, you know what you're doing, and you just kind of get on and it's all a bit set. I'm not saying we have to reinvent ourselves every time, but I do think it's really important that we begin to reflect this season and say, God, can I walk more deeply in your purposes for me? Because in the Holy Spirit, I know that he has said to me that some of you have kind of said, nah, I used to believe all that stuff, but I'm just going to make it now. And I want to break that thought. God's got a purpose for you. Would you just watch the screen for a few moments? Well, you sure have made a grand entrance into this world now, haven't you? Not an entrance a king would make, a manger of all places. No palace, no guards, just a barn and a lot of hay, if you ask me. <laughs> what am I to make of all of these guests? That silent night sure got loud fast. I suppose you'd like to know how all this came to be, wouldn't you? Well, 
on an ordinary day, more ordinary than you can imagine. An angel came to me. I know. I had trouble believing it myself. He spoke of things I couldn't really comprehend. He spoke of you, the Son of the Most High. He looked straight at me, as if to ask, will you say yes? was the scariest yes I'd ever uttered, tell you the truth. This was an impossible yes that only God could make possible. Never in my wildest dreams. Speaking of dreams, is it okay that I have dreams for you too? All mamas have dreams for their babies, you know. Even babies announced by heavenly hosts. My little one. I have a strange feeling this will not be the only yes required of me. I cannot begin to imagine the yeses that will be required of you. God help me. One faithful day at a time. To keep saying yes. God help us one faithful day at a time to keep saying yes yes to his purposes yes to his life yes to everything that he has for you because what he has for you is amazing it's a game changer for hundreds of people around you maybe thousands, I don't know I have to say to you some of you know my personal life of how delighted I've been to have my two new grandsons. And, you know, we've rejoiced. We've had loads of babies in BCC this year. And we've rejoiced with young parents and new dads and moms, and it's been great. But I have to say to you, if... If God asked me to give up my grandsons for people I didn't know, the world would be out of luck. And please don't think bad of me. I just think that God's yes was just amazing. So can you give him your yes into his purposes because those purposes for you are truly amazing. Why are you holding out on him?
why, why does he have to negotiate with you so hard? Why can't you see that he loves you so much that he's always had a plan for you? And that plan is still alive no matter how many disappointments you've had and how many setbacks you might feel or how many people may have let you down. That plan is still alive and active. Would you please stand with me? And actually, if you don't mind, I'm just going to take a little seat. And, and would you just hold your hands out in front of, of you? I, I've got a friend, and he says, some people say a big yes to God. You know, they jump all in. And that might be you today. You might want to say, oh, God, I, I'm coming back to you. I love you. I, I'm sorry I've been away from you. And you want to say a big yes. And then he says there are some other people who say a little yes. You know, that you say, you know what, I'm really interested and I want to take this journey further. If that's you, as you hold your hands out, you say, God, show me what my next step is. And then he says, some people do a healthy maybe. That you're not convinced yet, but you're saying, you know what, some of the things you've said today, that's made me think and I'm, and I'm willing just to think about it. And if that's you, I want to pray a blessing on your life. But as you hold your hands out, would you pray right now and say, God, place in these hands whatever your plan is. I want to say yes. Because if you came to be with us in this way, you must have thought my life was worth it. Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit. Come on, just start calling out to Him. Holy Spirit. Start saying yes to Him. Holy Spirit. Just work in this place. God with us. Holy Spirit. Christmas season is a time for great joy but also a time to say yes God I'm coming closer to you he's inviting you into his picture Holy Spirit some of you may need prayer in a few moments but why don't we sing together and I'll come back in a few moments after we've prayed prayers in song but as we sing together why don't you just keep saying yes Lord I, I want to do your plan don't be frustrated if you don't know that plan. Don't let that happen. This moment is just about willingness. Don't, don't say, oh God, I'd do it if I, I knew what it was. Don't, don't worry about that. Just say, I'll do it. And God's going to open that up to you. You see, we get frustrated. And we, instead of saying yes, we want to say, what is it? Don't, that's, not the, that's not it at the moment. At the moment, it's well I've said yes to you before and I'm saying yes to you again 
Let's sing together, shall we? Oh, mm-hmm.